Welcome to Today on Broadway for June 7th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And Diane Broadway stars James Marino. James, I wasn't here yesterday. Everything go okay with, with Julie? Everything uh, go according to plan? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Julie is gearing up for her trip to Edinburgh and uh, also gearing up for uh, the Tony Awards this weekend. I think she's uh, she's ready for it all to be over. But we were very concerned about... Um, we were very concerned about the uh, production of Rent that you went to go see. Why were you concerned? Well, you know, they, they can be inspiring and sometimes not. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about my trip to see Rent okay. uh, a little bit later in the show, so we'll get there. <laughs> All right, first up in the news, uh, yesterday we learned about a new play coming to Broadway this fall with some pretty... Big stars. Yeah, you, you can say that, James. On Wednesday, the world premiere Broadway production of The Lifespan of a Fact. I want a lifespan of a gnat is what I keep going through in my head. Yeah. I don't know why. But anyway, The Lifespan of a Fact was announced, and it will star no less than Daniel Radcliffe, Cherry Jones, and Bobby Cannavale. Directed by Lee Silverman, the play is by Jeremy Carrigan, David Murrell, and Gordon Farrell, and is based on the book of the same name. That original book is based on the true story of John uh, Degada's essay, What Happens There, about the Las Vegas suicide of teenager Levi Presley. Jim Fingal, assigned to fact-check the piece, ignited a seven-year debate on the blurred lines of what passes for truth in literary fiction. Uh, Diagata and Fingal co-wrote the book, so apparently there's no love loss there. Um, there's no issues between them there. Uh, the play will will run a 16-week uh, limited engagement at Studio 54 beginning on September 20th with an official opening on October 18th. Though it is in a roundabout theater company house, it is not an RTC show, so subscribers will have to get tickets the old-fashioned way uh, because American Express pre sale begins tomorrow on Friday. Then audience rewards members can begin purchasing on June 18th. And then the general on sale date is June 22nd. James, despite the fact that this story that everything kind of centers around began more than 15 years ago, I have a feeling that this play is going to be especially pressing it on stage for one reason or another. I can't imagine why. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Roundabout Theater Company becoming the landlord that's uh, renting out that 54 space. And this seems like what a cast and uh, interesting story. So uh, uh, a, a hit in the making. And will can we drag a Daniel Radcliffe, uh, you know, 10, 12 blocks south to uh, maybe go see the Harry Potter show? <laughs> or Puffs. I'd like to see oh, him go see Puffs, yeah, actually. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, what's interesting is is that Roundabout already announced their season. They have one show, TBA, still. Um, but obviously, they worked in some times to do rentals. I mean, they have three theaters on Broadway. And as we talked about earlier this week, there is the potential for, for Beautiful to close and perhaps uh, to have Kiss Me Kate go in there at Stephen Sondheim later this year. So it seems like this is not necessarily a move of desperation, but actually something this time that was actually worked into their season. They have been renting out Studio 54 quite a bit over the last season or so with John Lithgow and, and John Leguizamo and Sweat. So um, this, though, does seem to be something that's been in the cards because look at that cast. How can that not be something great? And, of course, I forgot about Children of a Lesser God, too. So lots of rentals in their spaces recently. All right. Yesterday we learned about some historic casting at Wicked. I think. 
I think we did. Um, I'm going to put this caveat in there because the production is not officially commenting as of yet. But on Tuesday, actress Brittany Johnson, who has been on Broadway and Motown, Beautiful, Les Mis and Sunset Boulevard, announced on Instagram that she had been cast in an ensemble track in Wicked on Broadway and that she would be understudying the role of Glinda. Now, James, we have discussed the fact before uh, that there has never been an actress of color to play that role in North America, despite the fact that every single other principal role has been played by a non-white performer. So while tour records are incomplete, so I couldn't exactly check everything, I believe that if and when Johnson goes on in the role, she would become the first African-American and person of color to play the role in this continent. Obviously, when you start going out, there's been productions based in Japan that had an all Japanese cast. So it gets a little hectic there. But let's just stick to North America. I believe that she will be the first person of color. Again, as I said, there's been no official comment or announcement about this from the production. And I wouldn't expect one based on the fact that she's primarily just an ensemble member. And we don't usually get those. Now, James, this topic has already brought up as it has in the past when Adrian Warren kind of discussed it on Twitter. Um, it brings up a lot of questions about if having a woman of color in the role undermines the prejudices that Elphaba as a person of a different color altogether faces in the story. But to me, a, I think it, could potentially bring up a lot of new and interesting directions that the narrative could take and be, and probably most importantly, it's a world in which a green skinned girl goes to a magic school where animals that talk are teachers. So having spoken or unspoken restrictions on what races of actors can play what specific parts seems like it's pretty dumb to me anyway. Yeah, but never underestimate the dumbness of people. Oh, trust me. I'm well, well aware. We're going to talk about that in this next segment. But uh, yeah, even theater going people can be dumb sometimes. <laughs> well, I guess you better uh, start reading in on it. You went uh, you weren't with us on yesterday's show because you were seeing this war of rent. So tell us about that. All right. Yeah, I've been very open about the importance that the show Rent has played in my theater loving life over the past few uh, years on these podcasts uh, dating back to when it, I first got the CD, the double CD back in the late 90s. Um, so I was really excited to see this production at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts, especially because, James, as we've talked about before, it is pretty much Michael Greif's original direction being recreated um, on stage. One of the original runs resident assistant directors, Evan Ensign. Um, directs and recreates that direction. And Marlise Yearby recreated her original choreography and the set and costume designs were preserved as well. So seeing what is effectively the original production brought back a, a lot of memories and a lot of good feelings. Um, and, and even though this is a non-equity tour that's ending, that's pretty much wrapping up its two-year run in the next week or so, it was really wonderful. And it might be the sentimentality of me talking, but I really... Uh, it just had a warm feeling about a show that doesn't really give you a lot of warm feelings. Um, if it was equity, I might have expected a little bit more in terms of, um, you know, the vocal talent and some of the acting. But overall, the cast more than held their own. Logan Farron as Roger, uh, Lenicia Cabetti as Joanne and Javon King as Angel were especially strong. And uh, Lindy Moe. Uh, easily gave the most over-the-top performance of Over the Moon that I've ever seen in the dozen-plus different productions of this show that I've seen uh, between tours, Broadway, and regional. 
I, I'm not exactly sure if that's a good thing or not, James, um, because that song isn't necessarily my favorite to begin with. But it was definitely a thing. Maybe not a good thing, but definitely a thing. Um, definitely going for laughs there as much as possible. Now, the crowd, which I'm sure contained very few people that knew the difference between equity and non-equity tours, um, seemed to love the show, despite the fact that on Tuesday in 2018, I saw more people walk out of rent mid-show than I did in both tour stops that the Book of Mormon is made in that same theater combined. So I don't know what it says about a certain segment of the Orlando theater-going population, but James, this show is almost two and a, or is, is almost 22 and a half years old. How do people who have season subscriptions to a Broadway series not know what to expect from rent? I, I don't understand how that works. Are they, I guess they're just dumb, right? It could be maybe that they had double booked themselves for something at the library and they needed to leave. <laughs> or their favorite Fox and Friends episode was re-airing, so they had to get home. Uh, I just nice. – I don't understand. I, I, I thought maybe at first it was someone who had to go to the bathroom. But there was – I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I've got good seats. They're press seats. I'm in, the, in the, the front section of the orchestra. More than a dozen people who were sitting in front of me wow. left mid-show. I was shocked that six couples got up and left and didn't come back. I – I don't understand, especially because it was a good production. It wasn't great, but it was a good production and one definitely worth seeing. The tour will be here in Orlando through Sunday, the 10th, Tony Day. And then I believe it's going to end up uh, it's going to end its two year run in Indianapolis next week. So if you are in central Florida or in central Indiana or close by to either of those places and want to see it, uh, check out uh, rent on tour dot net of course it's rent so it has to be dot net so uh uh, go ahead and check that out i i recommend it all right uh what do we have in recommendations all right, I've got a few things, two real quick videos. The first is Melissa Benoist begins her run in Beautiful as Carol King today. They sent out a little uh, a preview video of her singing and playing the piano, I think, either that or faking playing the piano, uh, to So Far Away um, on the stage of the Stephen Sondheim Theater. So we've got that video. Then another video, which is not necessarily directly Broadway related, but the first trailer for the upcoming remake, remake, remake of a star is born was released starring Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Um, that will be coming out on October 5th of this year. It is rated R and I think it's probably going to do really well at the box office and probably even better in the awards circuit. If it's not, if it's anything like what the trailer uh, makes it look like, cause the trailer is phenomenal. It looks, it's fantastic. So we'll have links to both of those videos in the show notes. And then James, the other thing that I wanted to recommend to people is something you sent over to me. I have no idea what this is. Um, it's just it's a website, Broadway by the numbers, and it goes through all of these different statistics um, about the season. Is this something we've seen before, James, or I, I don't know where you found this? Uh, Susan Vargo posted it on Facebook. Ah, Susan Vargo, who's an upcoming guest on a, our special Tony Omnibus episode that's coming out later this week. She's the lead producer of SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. Yes. So that's a that's a good source, I suppose. Yeah, so production.pro is an app used for... Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, and so they put together this sort of listicle of Broadway by the numbers for the current uh, year. And uh, people have very strong reactions from, wow, this is awesome, to this really shines a light on how underrepresented some people are on Broadway. I yeah. Think it's very interesting. 
Yeah, they have a um, a peak at gender diversity in there. Only 19 percent of directors on Broadway were women. And that's actually the most of directors, choreographies and writers. Only 18 percent uh, of the choreographers were women and only 16 percent of the writers uh, were women. So that's um Shocking. And when you go down to things like electricians and sound designers, that was only four percent. Um, and and then in terms of the carpentry crew on Broadway, 100 percent male. One hundred. So uh, lots of really good information and this. They do it in a really interesting, visually compelling way with some different graphics and stuff. Um, really, really cool. So I, I, I applaud the folks over at production.pro. All right. Oh, really? You're going to do this to me? Okay, I'm man. sorry. What else I have, do we to. have to do today? <laughs> All right. And some other news, James. I know this isn't going to be the same, but it looks like this might be as close as you get. But it was confirmed yesterday that Bruce Springsteen will perform at the Tony Awards this weekend, in addition to receiving his special Tony for Springsteen on Broadway. You knew this was coming. We we're just kind of waiting on the announcement. James, do you have any predictions as to what song he's going to perform? Uh, something from Wicked? <laughs> oh i would love that i would love that that would be awesome if he did a medley of like uh uh ribbons down my back into uh defying gravity uh into uh the opening song from hamilton that would be perfect um but yes anyway so uh on wednesday we also learned that the pre-broadway run of moulin rouge the musical which will reopen the historic emerson colonial theater later this month in boston area has extended by popular demand the show has added two weeks of performances and will now run from june 27th through august 19th james not for nothing but i think the producers would be foolish and and crazy to wait until the 2019 2020 season to bring this in uh just because they don't want to compete with their other show that they're producing king kong the musical i think they need to ride this wave of anticipation and get this thing in either this fall or this spring but speaking of new broadway shows Two of them have their tickets going on sale in one form or fashion this week. Actually, the Share Show is now available via American Express presale. Then Audience Rewards members will take the torch on June 13th. And finally, the rest of us plebes will have their chance beginning at 10 a.m. on June 18th. However, there are no special waiting periods for To Kill a Mockingbird, as tickets for this all-star production will go on sale this Saturday at 12 a.m., so like Friday night at midnight. And finally, James, yesterday it was announced that Tony's host, Sarah Bareilles, is teaming up with her waitress co-writer, Jesse Nelson, and super producer, J.J. Abrams, to bring a new half-hour musical dramedy to Apple's streaming service called Little Voice. The show received a straight-to-series 10-episode order. The show, as described by Abrams, is, quote, a love letter to the diverse musicality of New York in an exploration of the universal journey of finding your authentic voice in your early 20s. For what it's worth, Bareilles' debut album is also called Little Voice, and Nelson will direct the first episode and will be the series' showrunner. And just to be clear, this is not a TV adaptation of the two-hander impression-heavy play The Rise and Fall of Little Voice, which played Broadway in 1994. I'm sure there were many people who were concerned about that. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Um, so tickets are on sale for To Kill a Mockingbird this weekend? Y- yes. Um, let me pull up that article. It's just confusing to me because why would anybody go see it on stage when the movie is going to come out? You know, that 15-day movie that they had uh, 
<laughs> the judge was going to make them do that. Yeah, I, uh, that's going to be just streaming, though, so it's a little different. You know, yeah. Streaming. Okay. No, no, that's that's <laughs> gone by the wayside because. Oh, they I, didn't I make it. They never made the movie. Huh? No, they no, I think Scott Rudin is going to. Yeah, Scott Rudin is going to pony up some extra dough to uh, the Harper Lee estate and make them go away. Hey, ha- uh, I, I, I don't think I, I think it's your intention, but I don't think that you've listened to the West Wing Weekly yet. Uh, no, I have so. not. So uh, it's interesting because they've just uh, transitioned into year five. Uh, where, where Will Bailey shows up, right? Will Bailey shows up at the end of year four. But yeah, uh, year five, when Rob Lowe leaves the show or whatever, that Sorkin guy also left the show, whatever. Who? Uh, Aaron Sorkin. And uh, and so uh, Rishi K. Hearway, the one of the hosts of the West Wing Weekly, it turns out... After Aaron left the show, Rishi never watched The West Wing after that. So, oh. uh, so it, it's turned out that he's a bit not of a West Wing fan as much as an Aaron Sorkin fan. And so, so how does that work? How does Joshua Molina feel about that? <laughs> it makes for a lot of good banter. So Rishi, because of the podcast, The West Wing Weekly, is now watching... Uh, years five, six, seven, and eight uh, to fulfill their podcasts, but um, but it's it's very funny. But my point is that will Rishi come to Broadway to see To Kill a Mockingbird and do something on uh, on that? Could be. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't be. Has Jeff Daniels ever been on the West Wing Weekly podcast? Um, I don't know that he ever Jeff had Daniels, a, a I don't I don't remember Jeff Daniels being on it. I don't remember. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think he was ever on the West Wing. West but Wing, he's a cl- no. yeah, yeah. But he's clearly had a long history with Sorkin, with the newsroom, and now this, and who knows what else. So I, I, I wonder if he'll be a guest at some point to promote the uh, the Broadway production. Although Scott Rudin has very particular rules about what his cast can do in terms of promotion. So who knows? <laughs> All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. And come on back tomorrow and Matt and I will get you into the weekend. Mm-hmm.